welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. Legacy Sunday. Man, we've been praying over this day. Hopefully you've been praying over this day too. Maybe some of you just happened to step in this morning and you don't know what you've walked into. But what you do need to know is that this is where the presence of God is. Because where two or more people gather in his name, there he is. That God and his church is not a building, it's his people. So as we come to celebrate and praise him, we have been praying over this legacy offering to close out our year so that we can sow seeds into the future to see what God wants to do next. So normally we would do our tithes and offerings at this point in time to give you an opportunity to give back to what God has blessed you with. And if you came with your tithe, that's awesome. Hold on to it because at the end of service, we're going to have an opportunity to come forward with our tithe as well as our legacy offering. Sowing a seed above and beyond our standard and normal giving to say, God, I'm sowing seed into the future. And uh, if I've never had the pleasure of meeting you yet, uh, my name is TJ. My wife Melissa and I are the lead pastors here of Soul Revival Church. And we want you to know that here at Soul Revival, you don't have to believe to belong. Everybody is welcome and you can come as you are. Because we're all on a journey. We're all in a process of maturing. But the beautiful thing about who God is is that he doesn't leave you there for long. If you trust him, he'll transform you. If you trust him, he'll take you to places you couldn't imagine. And that's part of what we've been exploring in our Christmas series entitled The Christmas Carol. And you happen to be here as we close out the series. And the Christmas Carol is taking a spin on the Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol. Because Charles Dickens wrote this story, this novel in the 1800s because he had an encounter in seeing kids in poverty and then seeing the rich. This dynamic between the two and this thought about what if things could look differently. And how could that change? And processing through this man named Ebenezer Scrooge that's been told in many iterations about a past, present, and future glimpse in order to impact what the future could look like and own the moment where you are. So in our first week, we talked about before and after. Because we all have a before and we'll all have an after. But the and, the ampersand, that moment in between is the moment you have the opportunity to live a life after God. And that we don't live in the past, but we learn from it. So that we can move forward into what God has for us. The way that he wants to transform our lives and our hearts. And in our second week, we talked about owning the moment. That our time, we need to give our time to God. Because in order to own the moment, you need to take a moment to get alone with the one who owns it. And you need to also step forward and live for him too. And last week, we took our talents to Jesus' feet. Yeah. And that's not a one-time effort. That's an ongoing effort that regardless of the passions or the position that you find yourself in right now, the talents that God has blessed you with, he wants to utilize to impact his kingdom. So this week, we're going to be closing it out. And you know what? I, I'm excited about what God wants to speak to all of us. And I... I had no voice as of last night, so the fact that I can speak right now, I know it's the Holy Spirit, and he's got something to say, and that we'll be able to praise God through it. And if you've got your Bibles with you today, I'm going to kick things off in Malachi, Malachi 3. But if, if you don't, that's cool. I'll throw it on the screen. I won't, but someone will in a moment. 
But we always want to let people know first that the Bible is not something to be intimidated by. So whatever your background is, whatever brings you into this space today, this is not a book that's giving you rules that you need to check off in order for God to love you. This is the love story about the God of the universe who created you because he wanted to spend time with you. But he also gave us free will, this ability to use our time, talent, and treasure the way that we want to. And because of that and us having a chance to make our own decisions, sin entered in, missing the mark. It separated us from our heavenly father. But he never gave up. And it culminates with him sending his son Jesus to die for us. And because of that, we know that there is a hope in the message that comes in this Bible. This Holy Spirit, God-written, ordained word that he used man to write out but to say, I want to give you instructions for life and how to live it fully and joyfully. Can I get an amen? So if you found your way to Malachi, I got a son named Malachi. Malachi means God's messenger. If you met Malachi before, you know that he lives out his namesake. That little dude is a trip. Malachi 3.10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. God says, test him in this. Only place in the Bible you hear him tell you to test him. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. If you're taking notes today, we're going to close out this series. And I'm going to close out a trilogy of Own the Moment 3 entitled The Treasure Test. That's right. If you're taking notes, extra credit in heaven, The Treasure Test. I got two laughs. Either I used that joke too much or you didn't get it. I'm only kidding. There's no extra credit in heaven. Uh, but I just want to take a moment to pray, if you'll pray with me. Uh, God, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the way that you have positioned us into this moment. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak through me today. Help me get out of the way for whatever it is you have for us all collectively as a church. And bless this offering and what you want it to look like as we lay our lives down because you laid yours down first. In Jesus' name, amen. The treasure test. Who doesn't love like treasure adventures? Like the Goonies, the classic? Oh, I heard they're trying to remake it. I'm like, no, please don't. And then the dude, you know, with all the contraptions, he was in the latest Loki series. That was pretty cool. They had a little Easter egg in there. But the Goonies, they hunt for this treasure and this huge adventure. And what happens in the end? They, shut, they, they just set the, the ship free. If you didn't see it, sorry, I just spoiled it for you. It was made in like 1985, so you had enough time. <laughs> and they just let the ship go. One eye Willie and all his little skeletal friends. Just watch it go into the sunset. But there was so much joy they had in letting the treasure go. Woo, I'm preaching before I'm preaching. National treasure, these, these treasure type movies where people are going on adventures to try to capture something, this treasure that is important. But I want to talk to you today about a treasure that can't be touched. A treasure and how we use our treasure to impact eternity. Because worldly treasure just gets us into trouble when that becomes our only focus. Think of Ebenezer Scrooge. This dude had bank, right? Dude was rich and miserable. 
had all the money anybody could ever want, but had no joy. Until he has an encounter. It's weird with the spirits. We rewatched it and all that, but I'm like, man, there's only one spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? We just are leveraging this story for practical usage here as we learn to follow Jesus better. But as we, as we get a glimpse into what that looks like, and he has this interaction that changes everything, the generosity that spurs from it and the joy that enters into that man's life is insane. Now, that might be a fictional character in a fictional story, but I will tell you there is a reality when you step into a relationship with Jesus where he says, I want to set you free. And the things that have been holding chains around you in this reality is something I will free you from. And you can have a joy beyond what you could imagine. That the worldly desires won't hold you back from the joy you can have. You're like, yeah, that's easy to say. He had it. But what if you don't have it? Another classic, It's a Wonderful Life, right? There's this worry that's tied to this desire or this fear of not having enough. It was like, I, I wish I was never born. Because he had a moment when he was focused more on his treasure and what the lack of a treasure would do. We tie our joy to our worldly treasures and it's killing us. On either end of the spectrum. It doesn't matter if you have a lot or a little. The prophet Biggie Small says, mo money, mo problems. But it's the reality. And no matter what we do to try to get better gains here on this side of eternity, it never will fulfill. But we get trapped by it. And that's why I want us to unpack it today. Because we've talked about our time. We've talked about our talent. And now as we talk about our treasure, what does that look like? Because, again, in Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So the book of Malachi is the last book written in the Old Testament. And God goes quiet for 400 years. Doesn't mean he wasn't there. Doesn't mean he wasn't still speaking in different situations. But from a prophetic writing perspective, Malachi is the last prophet we hear from until we get into the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's only three chapters in Malachi, or four chapters, but in the third one, right before the end, he's like, we need to talk about your finances. We need to talk about where your treasure is because you're trying to store stuff up here. And I'm telling you, bring me your treasure. Test me in this. So the treasure test is God saying, test me. But it's also a test for us in our trust. Do we trust God? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the storehouse meant the church. Bring your tithes to the church because God has given you everything and you're called to give a tithe, which means 10%, back into the church so that the church can operate. To continue on the mission to reach more people to change more lives, to provide for the sick, the orphan, the widow. So bring it in so that God can send it back out. Bring your whole tithe. Don't hold back from what God wants to do. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, this isn't like a Darkwing Duck situation where you're just on mounds of coins because you got all this money afterwards. Thank you. Three people know Darkwing Duck? Let's go. It's not that if you give your treasure to God that you're going to gain this abundance in monetary funds. What he's talking about is a kingdom inheritance. You ever given somebody a gift and the joy you get is more than what they had? I'm sure some of you are feeling it right now. You're like, oh, can I let them open it early? 
We've had our boys go shopping for each other. And Mike, our middle guy, he keeps saying, nine days till I get to have my brothers open the gift I got them. Because he's so pumped to see their reaction. And we make our lives so much about us and what can we get. We're so selfish that it's hard to be selfless. But the moment we become selfless, we actually find more joy and more peace. I get it. It's a touchy subject. Talking about finances. Here in church, you're like, I brought a guest today. Of course. We emailed about it. We've been posting about it for a while. Uh, But we're also very transparent that we believe in the word of God and that we want to live according to the way he's inviting us to do it, not because it's something he wants or needs from us, but because he just wants our hearts. He wants us to surrender it all to him to say, I've got better for you. So when you trust me in this, test me, test it out, see what happens, test me and see. So the treasure test, what does it look like for us? I got some statistics I want to read to you. Before I do, though, I want to share about a core value of ours. So here at Soul Revival, we have eight core values. Because there is a vision God has has given us to help people connect with God, discover purpose, live in community, love our city. Everything we do is based on that. And under it, there are eight core values. And one of our core values is be the blessing. So this entire series, although we might not have called it a generosity series, is a generosity series. How do we be generous with everything that we've got to trust that God's going to use what we've got to impact his kingdom? So this core value of be the blessing, this is how we define it. It's that generosity is our privilege. We desire to have a spirit of generosity where we use our time, talent, and treasure. Not or, and. That's that ampersand again. If you haven't been here yet, I've been fixated on an ampersand because it's a weird word and it's a cool looking little thing and it means and. And treasure to serve others and glorify God. We have an attitude of get to, not of have to. Because God doesn't need our money, but he desires our heart. That is a core value of ours. Why? Because we believe it. And also, as, as you're in this moment here this morning, be praying over what the Holy Spirit would have you give. And if, if you feel like, oh, everyone else is doing it, I just have to, then don't. Because it is a spirit of get to and not have to. God is inviting us to be a part of saving lives. So you get to decide, do I want to be a part of it or not? And if there's a hesitancy at all, then don't. We trust God with it. We know that he'll provide, he has to this point. But you're missing out on what God wants to do in and through you to make an impact for his kingdom. So be praying over what that could look like. So here's some statistics. Did you know? That for $25 billion, (laughs) I'll take that, right? $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in a matter of five years. $25 billion. Like, oh, that sounds like a lot. Let me give you another figure. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. So not only... What's the, what's the quick math? 37. 37. For $37 billion, everyone's like, yeah, sounds awesome, right? $37 billion. We can solve world hunger, make sure people aren't dying from diseases they don't need to be, and help everybody have an opportunity to read so that they can have a better future globally for $37 billion. Like, that's a lot of zeros. Sounds pretty crazy. But let me share a statistic that is alarming. I'm going to get real close with this one. 
if every follower of Christ gave 10%, the annual giving would increase by 139 billion. If every follower of Christ gave 10%, God gave us everything, and he's saying, test me in giving back. And if every Christian listened, we'd have 100 extra billion dollars to save some whales or something. Imagine how much you could do with 139 billion. And that is annually. So annualize that because the 25 billion number was over five years. Like, hey, let's, let's send that out and, you know, make sure we, we allocate those resources appropriately. That's annually. Can you imagine what that could mean? And look, this challenge is coming from the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. But what I want to encourage you with today is because I feel that everyone has a desire to give, but it is worry that keeps us from it. That the treasure test is really a test of our trust. Do we trust God? Do we trust him in it? To give him everything we've got, our time, our talent, and yes, our treasure. And there's this moment where Jesus is actually challenging the Pharisees of the day because he is challenging, Jesus challenges religious people way more than those who don't. Somebody just needs to know that today. And those of you who follow Jesus and get mad at people who don't, take a moment and pray about it. Because you can't expect people who don't know Jesus to love like Jesus. But we are called to love like Jesus, everybody, always, even if they make you mad, even if they break your heart. But that's what God calls us to. And he's saying, I've given you everything, so give me your time, talent, and treasure. So as Jesus was challenging these religious people, here's what he says in Luke eleven forty two. 42. He says, woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. You want to know what Jesus just said there? You need to follow me and love me with your time, talent, and treasure. See, these religious people were selling herbs and spices and making that money, and they were given their 10%. But they were doing it from a religious heart. They didn't have the right heart in doing it. So Jesus is saying, yeah, but you're not seeking justice, which is using your talent based on your passions or the position God has placed you in to make an impact where you're at. You're not doing that. And you're not loving God, which is your time. You're not spending time. You're not taking a moment to get alone with the one who owns it. And the treasure. Do the former and the latter. I'm calling you to all of it. And he's not calling us to that because he's trying to make us accountable for living the right way. No, he's trying to free us from the things that are holding us back. Because the blessing it is when you live generously, when you just open up your hands and say, God, all I have is yours because you gave it to me. So what do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to operate? Anybody ever tried to hand you some? Like, what if they hand you a cookie? Show me how you'd accept it. That's right, it's participatory. Like this, yeah. Go like this one time. That cookie's falling on the floor. Right? Generate, five second rule, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Liam said, I'd still eat it. Open versus closed. Living with our hands open to say, God, all I have is yours. 
That's how you can receive back. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach. Like, hey, give me everything and watch what I'll do with it. I will bless you abundantly, more than any storeroom could hold or handle. Because in Matthew 6, starting in verse 19, Jesus says, as he's, as he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the essence of our talk today. It is the treasure test. It's asking ourselves, where is my treasure? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we flip it in reverse, and you want to know where your heart is, look where you spend your money. Go into that bank account or that credit card statement, balling on an unknown budget. But look back. Just look through it. And this is not a condemning thing, right? There's things God wants to convict within us. And as we say, if I'm just starting at the 10% of everything I've got, how do I spend all of my finances? Because it's real easy to let ourselves get to a space where we go, yeah, but how can I do that? Because I'm so strapped for cash. Look at how you spend your money and decide, all right, what are wants versus needs? These are things we do. It's not saying God doesn't want you to have nice things. You can still have things that you are blessed by, but it's the honor and the manner in which you go about it. Because God's saying, I want your heart. So if God has our heart, then he's our treasure. When God has our heart and we acknowledge that he has given us everything, we're walking around with open hands. I'm willing to give out and I might get a cookie along the way. Because it's saying, God, I trust you in all of it. And I want my heart to be in a space that my treasure is in a space that nothing can touch. So where is your heart? This treasure test is a test of trust. Do we trust God? It is tied directly to our faith. Faith is the confidence in things hoped for and the belief in things not seen. And as you have that faith in God and you trust him fully and he has your heart, you're willing to say, God, take it all. But if the trust isn't there because the faith isn't there, you get strangled by worry. Because our worldly wealth is tied to worry. Ebenezer, right? Worried, had a bunch. It's a wonderful life. Worried, didn't have much. No matter what end of the spectrum you're on, when you tie your trust to worldly treasures, you will find yourself strangled by worry. And it comes down to a matter of trust. Is my test of trust, do I trust God with everything? That's a question for us all to process today. Do I trust him with everything? And it comes to our faith. 
and having a hope. Hope, a confident expectation of a greater tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. Do I believe that he'll do what he said he'll do? And as our faith grows, so will our generosity. So it starts with us focusing on how God expand my faith so that I trust you because I want my test with my treasure and where I spend my finances to be one that's honoring and glorifying to God. Because to store up treasures in heaven means everything that I do is for a kingdom focus. It is the time, talent, and treasure. Like everything that I do is to see how can I honor God through it so that other people can get to know him and be impacted by his love. So where's your treasure? Maybe a bigger question is, who's your treasure? Your true treasure, if it is Jesus, the material things, the finances, God's got you. But if your treasure is tied to materialism, it will kill you. Hopefully, just metaphorically speaking. So where is your heart? I feel like I should tell a joke right now, but I got nothing. I get it. This is, this, is, this is one of those tensions that we press into, but I believe there's so much freedom on the other side of it. Like God is inviting you to test them. I don't know. I like to be tested. I like to say, oh, I'm up for a challenge. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Test him in this. But here's something I think is cool as Jesus continues the conversation. In verse 22, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Like what's that have to do with money. See, Jesus, he would speak in ways that take a minute to really digest and fully understand to know where he's pointing at. Because someone might pull these verses out and preach on something wholly different, like this isn't about finances, but this is about finances. This is the continuation of it. This is the treasure test. The eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is used to represent your attitude of mind. Where is your mental state? Ultimately, where is your time? Because your time is tied to your treasure. Because the time you spend with God to renew your mind, your head, and if God transforms your head because you're wanting to look more like him, there is a light that comes within you. Because the darkness here represents materialism. It represents this comparing nature of I'm coveting what other people have and I don't have. Where the light represents a generous spirit to say, I just want to share the love of Jesus. And I'm not holding tightly to anything because my mind is in a space that is aligned with my heart. Is this making sense? Okay, I got to try harder. So he talks about our treasure, and then here he's talking about our time. Are you spending time with God so that he can renew your mind? And as he renews your mind, here's your time that's tied to your treasure. But then he continues. No one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So he told us our treasure and it's tied to our time. And here he's telling us that our treasure is also tied to our talent. Which masters are you serving? How are you using your talent to honor God with your treasure? Are the things you're passionate about going because you want to honor God or glorify yourself? Is the position that you're in right now a space where you're like, hey, I'm just using my talents to gain for myself or to gain for the kingdom? God, what is it you want to do in me and through me right here and right now? Because what Jesus is sharing through this section of scripture is that, look, don't get tied down by money. The monetary gain that you feel like you need to continue to go after will sink you. And it will keep you filled with worry and anxiety. So no, store up treasures in heaven. Glorify me. Allow me to transform your mind. Spend time with me to see how I want to help you to use your talent to impact the kingdom of God so that your treasure will be where your heart is. And it will be fully devoted to him. So who's your master? The Messiah? Or materials? Christ or currency? Which master are you serving? Like, that's pretty deep, right? Like, Jesus just hits to the heart, like two masters. Who are you submitting to to allow to run your life? And directly following that, for 10 verses, Jesus talks about worry. He's like, do not worry. Don't you see the birds? I take care of them. Don't you see the flowers? They're more beautiful than Solomon's coats. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries for itself. All this worry that you're surrounded by, do not worry. And why is he talking about worry? Because it's tied directly to currency. It is tied directly to our treasure. So he's saying you can't serve God and money. Because when you start to serve God, you find yourself so stuck in worry because our worldly wealth is tied to worry. And you wonder why you've been worried and anxious so much. This is a treasure test. It is a test of our trust. Do we trust God? Do we trust him in every area of our lives? And as he concludes that section, after talking about worry, he says, but seek first the kingdom And his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's saying trust me in each and every day. And I've got you. I'm taking care of the world. I'm pretty sure I can take care of you. I'm taking care of the world. And I love you more. So trust me. That I'm going to take care of you. the treasure test. So there's a moment in the book of Luke. Now, I've been studying it all week, trying to figure out, is it the same moment? Did these dudes come and interrupt Jesus while he was in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, or was it a different message? And I landed on the fact that I'm not quite sure, and I don't think it matters. Because either he taught it in this moment, and we get to get another vantage point on it, 
Or he taught it twice because it was that important. But he was in the middle of preaching. It was right after he was just rebuking those Pharisees about giving their time, talent, and treasure. And some dude's like, yo, Jesus, my parents are dead. There's an inheritance. And my brother won't give me my share. Can you help me out? Can you settle this matter for us? And he's like, nah, you guys can figure that out. But let me tell you a story. That's how he would tell parables. Like, no, I'm not going to answer your question, but let me tell you a story that will answer your question. And he tells this story about this man that gets this harvest that is so big that it cannot fit in all of his barns. You know, driving out in the country, you see all these red barns. Like, he's got so much grain that he can't fit it in this barn or that barn or that barn. And he's like, yo, what should I do? I have a surplus. I know. Build more barns. I need to build more so that I can store the more that I have. And Jesus tells this story because he's like, ah, we're just, we're just you're missing the point here. Because if you're trying to store up treasure, you might die tomorrow, then what? You just started building a new barn, had some heated floors and an upper deck. I don't know. It was cool. And you're trying to put all this extra grain in it because you're rich now. And you die. Then what? Now what? Now where does your inheritance go? Because you can't store up treasures on earth because they will perish. You can't take it with you. You can't. So what life is that? And that's what Jesus is sharing in this moment. And he's like, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get it? And this is how Jesus closes that moment out. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. This is our treasure test. Where is our treasure? Are we trusting God with our treasure? Are we trusting him with everything that we've got? Or are we trying to figure out how to build more barns? $139 billion. Has anybody else still just been stuck on that number? It's crazy. What our generosity can do and the lives it can impact and transform. And God is inviting us into that. He's saying, I just don't want you to be chained to worldly wealth. But surrender everything to me and you will gain greater blessing. You will store up a treasure in heaven greater than any of this. When we felt called to come to Racine and plant the church, we're like, we're all in. It was a moment in our lives where God transformed us from being spiritual consumers to contributors. And he's saying, you ready to trust me more? Sure, I'll serve a little. You want to trust me some more? Yeah, for sure, God, I'm giving 10%. No, 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 but some more? All right, God, we'll start at 20. 20% of everything? Okay, that's what you're calling me to. I mean, the Bible says tithe. Actually, no, the Bible does not say tithe in the New Testament. In the New Testament, everybody sold everything for the glory of God. Everyone had everything in common. I'm not telling you to go sell out your bank account. It's not what I'm saying today. 
But that was the conviction we had. And he's like, and, and now I want you to move to Racine and plant a church. Woo, okay, what does that look like? Got to do some fundraising, which God's favor was on. But you know what he compelled us to do? Yeah, that, that 401k you've been really excited about. Yeah, I got you though. And that was hard. See, because before I knew Jesus, when I was growing up, all I ever wanted to do was go somewhere and make it. And I thought making it meant monetarily. I thought the, the dream house with the perfect yard was the ideal scenario. We had the dream house. We're just trying to be hot in here. Honest, open, and transparent. So we'll just share a story because that's our story. Fell into this space where we felt like we were living the American dream, but something was missing. We had that 2,700 square foot house where it was like, man, this is, this is a house we dreamed about. But there was something missing. Because our heart, our heart wasn't fully devoted. It just wasn't fully there. Now, everybody's story is different. And the Holy Spirit will convict each person based on where they need to go. But God was telling us, hey, you need to sell that. Buy something much smaller. But now we've got such an intimate setting in our house, right, babe? They say smaller houses are better for family functioning anyways. That's what they say. Forces you to be close or just drives you crazy. But it's what he called us to. I've been praying a lot today about, like, what do we share, what do we not share, but just how to be transparent to share, like, how much God just wants your heart. And when you say, God, you can have all of it, watch what he does with it. Watch what he does with it. Like we are believing God for big things. We want to sow seed into the future to see him transform lives. We want everybody to know the hope and love of Jesus because I know the hope I received when I was broken. I know the salvation I found when I was in the deepest depression. I know what happened there and somebody's giving allowed me to hear the gospel. So God will give it all. We'll give it all. And here we are, this little church, just trying to make an impact, but we're believing God for crazy dreams. And we just want to invite you into that the same way that God is inviting us to join him on that mission. Go out and do some fishing. And it happens with our time, our talent, and our treasure. That's just the reality of it. I'm asking the worship team to come up. I'm almost done. I got a whole lot of notes left, but I don't know. I feel like God's leading me somewhere else right now just to be in the moment. Like, as God is calling us to do more, we need to ask ourselves, where is our heart? As we pray over what type of legacy we want to leave, and uh, my wife, Melissa, shared this beautiful message with us this morning in our team service. Where she painted this picture, and it just brought me to tears. Where she's like, I pray that when that day comes and we're in heaven, that we get to meet all the people who were impacted by our generosity. See the faces of people because they got a meal or they got some clothes or they got to hear the gospel because this space costs a lot of money to rent, just so you know. Yeah, you would think they would give it to us for free. We've had lots of people complain, how is a church and a school? Well, we pay for it. And it's expensive. Annually, the budget just to rent this on a Sunday is over 60 grand. Our, our annual average giving 
76 grand. Think about how much we do as a church. We do helicopter drops. We do Christmas events. We give back to help plant other churches because we feel like God is calling us to do that and make those sacrifices. And it's like, all right, God, we got this passion, so we're going to continue to chase after you. But I also praise God because he's positioned me with a job where we can be contributors into this. That 401k that we questioned, should we just, should we sell it out or not, has been what we've been able to ride on as a church. I might be sharing too much, but I just want you to know how much our heart is for Jesus. I pray that one day we can be full-time pastors. We don't, we do not have any paid staff as a church. But we feel so passionate about this vision God has given us that is worth it. That we can be contributors to building the foundation for life change. Because our prayer from the beginning is that God is going to make Racine a city on a hill. This light that people are attracted to. This city that right now everybody runs from. They just want out of. No, we see hope here. Because hope has a name and his name is Jesus. So yeah, there is a passion, and our passion drives us. But there is a position we're in that, okay, it might not be where I'd like to be right now, but you know what? In that position, I get to share about Jesus in the workplace. About the hope I have in Jesus, I get to share with people about our church, our little church here in Racine, but when they watch it online, they can't tell. But God wants to use your time, talent, and treasure to make an impact. And he's saying where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And he just wants our heart. He doesn't need our money. He will do what he's going to do. But when you surrender it all and you say, God, what do you want to do with it? Watch how he shows up. And watch what he'll do with it. And that's what Jesus is continually trying to share with us. Jesus wasn't rolling around in a Rolls Royce. My guy didn't worry about anything. He just was on mission following the Father. And I just want to reemphasize, it's not a bad thing to have nice things. It's just when those nice things take the place of the King of Kings. It's when the things that we desire in this world replace our God, which makes them an idol. Noah's saying, God, you sit on the throne. You are in charge of my life. And God, I want you to lead me everywhere when it comes to my time, my talent, and my treasure. My life is yours, God. You gave me everything, so how could I not give it all in return? He gave me the salvation for my soul. And that is an invitation he has given to all of us. And he says, seek first his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. And in Luke 12, 32, this is what he says. And I just love this. I just imagine him talking to me like a, a father to a son. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I gladly gave my son to die for you. I gladly give you the kingdom. 
Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. There, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Today is the treasure test. And it really is a test of our trust in God. So as we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, what does that look like for each of our lives? I love how Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians 8. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. He calls giving a grace. He calls giving a gift. The fact that we get to give is a blessing. And that is why our core value is to be the blessing. Because it is such a blessing for us to get to be the blessing. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. You're saying, yes, you say you love Jesus, but is how you live reflecting that? You say that you've given your life to Jesus, but is how you're living reflecting that? Because Jesus gave his life for you. And he's not coming to you to say, I need your money. Say, no, I desire your heart. And when your heart is fully God's, watch what he'll do. Watch the impact he'll make through you. 139 billion. The grace of giving. And he continues, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus, the King of kings, on a throne in heaven, comes down to earth and he wasn't born in a palace but in a pasture he didn't have everything in the world given to him he was this dude from Bethlehem like what Joseph's son the carpenter but he did that for you and for me he came and gave his life for us so that we could have life, so that we could inherit the kingdom of God because we want to store up treasures in a different space than here. We want that kingdom currency to say, God, I want to see the faces one day of those people that you've used me to impact. God, help me see that right now as we love one another well, as we go on with the mission you have called us to, to take back ground for your glory. And it started with him giving his gift, the gift of life, to say, I will sacrifice my life for yours. I will become poor so that you can become rich. I will sacrifice my blood and lay it down for you so that you can be reacquainted with the Father in heaven. That's what he's done for us. That's the price that he paid. I don't know, I feel pretty messed up most days. 
and to think that God thought I was a treasure to him enough to die for me. And he's saying, hey, where's your treasure? Because that's where your heart will be. And I want your heart. So right now in this moment, I want to give people an opportunity to respond, to step into a relationship with Jesus. Because that's where it starts. That's where the whole journey starts is saying, you know what? Yeah, I've been talking today a whole lot about what God is inviting us into and the generosity he's inviting us to. But that generosity comes because he was first generous. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He has made us rich. He has given us his kingdom. Invited us into his family. So I want to ask, would everyone bow their heads in this space and close your eyes? Because today I I want to give someone that opportunity that if you say, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, I would love it if you would just bravely shoot your hand in the air to say, yeah, I want to receive that gift. I want to receive the treasure that God has offered me. I want to have that kingdom that I get to spend eternity in. But even more than that, right now I get to have a relationship with Jesus. One, you need to know that Jesus came and died for you. Two, he gave it all up because he thinks you are so valuable. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand in the air today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you for every hand raised. I thank you for every life transformed by your gospel. I thank you that you come to seek and save the lost. And God, I pray that for those who made this decision today, that you would encourage their hearts, that you would surround them by fellow believers that will help carry them in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Legacy offering. We want to invite you into this moment with us. Our giving looks a little bit different this week. And if you have your normal tithe and you fill out the envelope, as we progress through this moment, we want to invite you to bring that and and prayerfully considering what the legacy offering might look like. But we've got our offering bin down here this morning. Because... We believe that God wants to give you freedom, maybe from the financial fears that you have. Because again, I don't think there's a lack of desire to give. There is just a fear of worry of what happens if you do and will you be provided for. It is a test of our faith today. And as you've been praying over that legacy offering, as as we sing this closing song, I want to invite people to be able to walk down into this space. We've got extra envelopes and pens, so maybe if you didn't think and God's been speaking to you through this moment, you can fill out the envelope and put your offering into this bucket. Maybe you give electronically, but just giving that that physical action of moving forward, maybe you just feel compelled to do so, invite you. We want to invite you into that because this right here is our altar. An altar is a place where they would go to sacrifice. And we can sacrifice the things that we're holding so tightly to this world and saying, God, but I'm giving it all to you. I'm laying it at your feet. I want to contribute into the future, into the legacy of what God is doing. So you can still give electronically at soulrevival.church. 
You can still text the amount you'd like to give to the number 84321. I think we got a QR. Yeah, there's a QR code that'll take you right to it. I want to ask you just to give into our general fund today. Because sowing seeds into the future means taking care of what we have today, but also dreaming for tomorrow. And we believe that collectively as a church, what God can and will do is beyond things that we can even dream of. And just as God invites us to test him, there is a test of our faith, as Paul wrote about to say, do you trust God with it? Because where our treasure is, our heart will be also. Do we trust God with our hearts? So as we sing, feel compelled, come. And if you need prayer, our team will also be down here. If you just feel like you need to go down on your knees and continue to worship God, to pray in this space, to worship in this space, we invite you to do so. We will be in this space. But as you can bring your offerings forward, I want to take a moment to pray over it right now. God, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus, who you sent to die for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you sacrificed your life and that through your death, because of the resurrection, we now have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. God, I pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would carry us into spaces beyond what we could imagine. The things you want to do in and through Soul Revival Church are just getting started. I thank you for each and every giver in this space. I pray that you would bless them that they would see those gifts, that they would see the way that you bless them and you overrun the storehouse, that you build up these treasures in heaven for the things that they're sowing into here on earth. Because we pray, God, here as it is in heaven. So we pray over this legacy offering, God, that you would take us into new spaces. We trust you, Father, and we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.